Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? How about that? Welcome home. If you're here today, welcome home. Welcome home. Uh, why don't you give the person next to you, uh, uh, it's going to be kind of different today, just a hug. A hug. And that's kind of weird, right? Because you know some of them, you're like, oh, what's up, dude? What's up, what's up? All right, have a seat, guys. Have a seat. I know some of you are here. For the first time, we want to tell you, welcome home. It is an amazing place to be Friday night. Uh, it's called Formation Fridays. We believe that in Friday, on Friday nights, many lives are deformed, but your life is being formed tonight. And the formation is not according to a church, not according to a religion, but according to the character of Christ. Uh, to be honest with you, we don't really give much of a, a rip about religion. <laughs> uh, we care more about, really honestly, the character of Christ in our lives. Who cares if you know the whole Bible? Who cares, who cares if you know Greek, Hebrew, but you don't know how to speak love? Amen? If you don't know how to actually convey the heart of God, who cares if you know the history of it? Amen? And so it doesn't mean that we don't learn. It doesn't mean that we don't grasp concepts and that we don't want to go deeper in the word, but we want to go honestly deeper into the character of God and into the purpose of God and into the people of God. Amen? And so uh, I want to just share with you an amazing, amazing passage of the Bible. Uh, first, we're going to close our eyes and ask God to speak to us. Is that okay? Yeah. Cool. Close your eyes. Dear God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your grace. Man, thank you for your grace. Thank you because without you, God, we'd be dead. We'd be nothing. Many people that are here, if it wasn't for your patience, they'd probably be dead or in jail or deserving of loneliness, and that's it. But because you're graceful, you're kind, you're patient, you're loving, we are here today. We want to just thank you, God, for welcoming us into your house. We know that this is not a building. This is your home, God. And we just want to tell you uh, we are honored to be in your presence. We ask you that you speak to us, that you would please transform us, change us. If there's anything inside of us, God, that doesn't reflect you, would you please shape us? In your name we pray. Amen. There's a, um, <clears throat> a part of the Bible I want to share with you. John chapter 21. John chapter 21. And if you guys would open up there, it'd be great. Uh, while you open up there, I'm going to share with you a little bit of uh, Peter's denial. I realize that I, um, <clears throat> we can talk about many, many things in church, but... One thing that Satan continues to speak to people about is about their failures and about sin and about how they are not good enough to have one beautiful relationship with God. I sent a message earlier to the entire uh, primary team of, of 12 and I told them, if anybody owns, owes anybody anything, I want to know about it in this church. And he, you know, of course this is not something that I do with everybody everywhere. I'm not going around and your job, trying to find out how much your boss owes somebody, or I'm not trying to find out about your student loans, nothing like that. I just want to know that the main leaders of this church are paying and are not, you know, holding, that there's nobody holding anything against them in their hearts. Why do I say this? Because I believe that whenever you owe something to someone, there is fear in your heart. There's slavery in you. Whenever you owe something to someone, I don't know if you ever had a friendship and you owe something to someone, and you cannot even look at the person in the eye. You cannot avoid their phone calls. Or maybe you owe an apology. Maybe you did something that you should not have. And you try to deny it. But both you and that person know 
that there was something that you did that was wrong. And no matter what happens, no matter how much you try to move forward, that elephant is still in the room. Do you know what I'm saying? There's still that feeling of we cannot be so close because both you and I know that you have let me down and we haven't amended that broken relationship. And I hate it because the enemy does that in families. He does that in friendships. But the worst part is that he does that with God. With you and the one who is willing and able to forgive you right here, right now, tonight. And wants to have an intimate, deep, passionate relationship with you. But for some reason, no matter how many sermons are preached in our lives. No matter how many books we read about it. Or how many times people could tell us. The enemy always whispers the same dumb song in our ears. And we somehow, some way. Get caught on that tune over and over. He cannot forgive you. You're not good enough. You will never do the great things that God has for you. Guess what? You are done. God cannot forgive this last one. I want to I share with you that God is amazing and he loves you so much. And he knows your life. He knows exactly where you are. Every one of you in here, myself included, the Lord has new mercies for you every morning. And so the title of this message is Breaking the Spirit of Failure. What is it called? Breaking the Spirit of Failure. Now understand one of the hardest things to deal with in our life is failure. Whether it is sin against God, sin against people, or simply doing something that you thought was going to come out a certain way and it didn't work out. I don't know if you've ever been laid off. I've been laid off before. Man, and it sucks feeling like, man, like you just got punched in the gut. And you're like, I'm good. Nothing happened. It's all right. I'll be all right. Or maybe you got rejected. I know none of you guys ever got rejected. But, you know, some of us might have gotten rejected in the past. I'm not really asking that. You know, but it's like, oh, and you're like, I'm all right. I didn't even like her anyway. She's stupid. You know what I mean? It's just like, or, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe, the, you know, you start liking each other, start progressing, and then one person all of a sudden, you know, realizes maybe, maybe not. And you start feeling like that feeling of failure. And maybe you don't call it failure. Maybe you start calling it sadness or loneliness. Or some people call it depression. And what it is, is a huge, dark, gray crowd of failure over their lives. They feel like they're not good enough for someone else. Now, you don't say it out loud, but the enemy sure whispers it quietly and constantly in your ear. Maybe you try to do your devotional, and it's almost like someone inside of you laughing at you saying, really? You're going to read the Bible after what you did yesterday? After what you have in your spirit? After all you thought? Is that really what you're going to do? You're going to try to come to God now pretending like you don't owe him anything. And that whisper in the ear is constant and it's true. And maybe you don't have that in your mind or in your heart. But perhaps maybe you're here today and you are not even truthful with yourself. Because if you avoid it, you think somehow, some way it's going to get better. And the truth is at some point, you're going to have to pay up. You're going to have to fess up. You're going to have to stand up. And you're going to start... Standing before a creator, knowing who you are, what you did, where you've done, what you've done, where you've been. And sadly enough, many times what's been done to you. Because failure is not only things that we've done, but failure from others towards our lives. And that many times does happen to break something inside of us. I don't say it as a person who studied psychology. I say it as a man who has experienced it himself. The death of my father had nothing to do with me. My stepfather not being a man... Had nothing to do with me. Yet whatever he did and said to my mother at some point affected my life. Can I tell you the truth? Unless you deal with pain and failure, it will never go away. No matter how much you eat, drink, sleep, spend time with other people, hug, kiss, and do whatever you want. Men, women, together, it doesn't matter. 
It will never go away. It will always come back and for some reason brings along some friends. Because failure is something you must go through. You can't go around it. You can't go underneath it. You cannot go above it. You have to what? You have to go through it. You have to what? You have to go through it. And this is Peter going through his failure. You see, I'm going to read to you something. You guys looked up a part of the Bible. But I'm going to kind of read to you the prequel. And then we're going to jump where you found. Now, Peter was sitting. So don't try to read your stuff because it won't make sense. I'm just going to read to you where Peter was, you know, uh, you know, messing up. Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl came to him. A little girl. right? It said that she was about 12 or 13 years old. And said, you too were with Jesus the Galilean. By the way, this is when Jesus is about to get crucified. And his best friends are not standing along his side. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you're talking about. What? Me? Jesus? Who's that? When he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl said to him and said to those who were there, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. You liar. I do not know the man. A little later... The bystanders came up and said to Peter, surely you too are one of them. For even the way you talk gives you away. Wouldn't that be cool if people say, you're a Christian, huh? Nah. Come on, bro. You talk like, you know, like loving, kind. You're different. You don't be, you know, putting girls down. You don't curse. You're a woman of, of wise words. You don't say stupid. You don't, you know, you're not all drunk on your emotions and stuff. You know how to handle yourself. You've been with Jesus. Me? Uh, and this is what Peter did. Listen to what Peter did. So Peter, <clears throat> I do not know the man. And immediately, by the way, another version said, oh, it says it's here. And then he began cursing and swearing. So F, beep, 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 the entire time. As to say, no, nah, I don't know God. By the way, don't ever tell me that cursing is not against God's character. Just act like you don't know God. Curse a little bit more. Somebody just got, oh man, I didn't come for that to church. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Imagine that, man. Peter's denying Jesus, and the third time he remembers, because a rooster crows, that's not how they crow, but you know, they're like, and he just looks at this freaking bird, and he looks at it, and he's like, and he remembers the exact words, before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. And what happens then, you know the passion, the story of the word of God where Jesus Christ is crucified, beaten, abused, wrecked, murdered at the cross, left bleeding out. <clears throat> then he's buried, he goes to a tomb. Three days later, he resurrects. And we're going to pick up after that. Because see, we know the story, we can read the story, but we weren't there with Peter during the crucifixion. You were not there when Peter from afar was looking at what they were doing to his Christ. And he could not say anything to defend him. He would not stand by him. And I think, I believe, that he was having survivor's remorse. You ever heard of that? When somebody goes to war and he's the one that survives and his troops doesn't, don't, don't or his friend don't. And he begins to ask himself, why should I live? Why should I be alive? And why is that good man dying? And all of a sudden, life is not as beautiful anymore because now his friends are not with him anymore. Those that stuck by his side, those that were willing to die for him because that's exactly what was happening. And so Peter, with his survivor's remorse, and not only that, the denial factor. I was with a friend 
I remember it was exactly like this. I was preaching at, at a church, at our church back in the day, uh, a new generation. And a friend of ours, one of the disciples, got stabbed in the heart while he was in a barbecue. While I was preaching, I remember receiving the text messages. A guy from a specific gang from El Salvador stabbed him in the, the artery right next to his heart. He died in his brother's arms. We're talking about Hacienda Heights here by Stimson, not too far away from you. A young guy who loved God, who was doing things right. He had come to the morning service, skipped the last one, night service because he was doing his barbecue thing with his family. I remember exactly what I preached. I remember what I was saying. And I remember this very clearly. The days to come were so hard for that family. The hardest part for the family was this, that the mother wanted justice, at least some sort of it. And the killer was, during the court sessions, still threatening the, wife, the mom, the brother, and everybody else that would come and pretend that they would testify. So all the homies, all the friends, all the guys that grew up with my buddy, and, and this guy who, who really did love God, and the people that really did love him, none, few perhaps, none actually showed up to testify for fear for their own lives. Why? Because then Mara Salvatrucha would have gotten them too. Can I ask you the question? How free do you feel as a friend after you deny the one who you say you'll be with forever? Maybe a husband, maybe a wife, maybe a friend, maybe a son, a daughter. After you let the people down that you love so much. See, Peter had loved Jesus so much and yet he had denied him. He did not show up to his court case. He did not want to testify on his behalf. Why? Because he was trying to save his own skin. Now let me ask you this question. It's a genuine question. Do you ever feel the grief and the pain of denying Christ with your actions and your attitudes? Or do you just kind of put them on the back of your head? And this is not Catholic Mass. I understand. I'm not here to try to make you feel bad. I went through those as well. What I am trying to tell you is this. That God loves you so much. But you cannot pretend that we don't fail. You and I, pretending that we're not letting the God who loves us so much and died on a cross for us, pretending like he just died for dying's sake because he had no other better way to die. It's just a lie from the pit of hell. There could be no transformation, no redemption for your life unless you actually own up to your sin and to your failures in your life. You can never get better unless you realize what you're doing bad. I was telling Eoni the other day, well, I'm starting to practice jiu-jitsu again. And... In the mornings, the competition is not as good as in the night. I hope none of my classmates hear this part of the sermon ever. Um, but I was telling you, we really need better competitors. Why? Because if you just keep beating the guys that are at your level, you're never really going to learn. Some things you only learn by getting choked out, arms nearly broken on arms. Just like you walk out super sore and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm never going to do that again. I think some of you in here are pretending like something's on hurt. Therefore, the lesson needs to be repeated. So God's allowing you to go through the same thing because you're like, oh, I'm okay, I'm all right. I'm going to be all right. No, you're not going to be all right unless you transform that area that God is so hurt by as well. Amen? And so the first thing about failure is that you have to accept it. You can't go over it. Like I said, you have to go through it. Grief is the only way sometimes to learn. I wish I could tell you we all learn through cookies and candies, but sometimes we need chas chas. Anybody know what I'm saying? Pow pow. I don't know what you guys called it. Your mama called it. La chancla. Whatever. Or I don't know. You know, I don't know. What is it? The cord from the, from the, whatever. Yes? No? If you had a sister like mine, she'd go and wet the belt. So it'd be a little heavier and it hurts a little more. It says there, though. Anyway, so Peter, it says there. Let's go read now where Peter is, okay? And these, 
Uh, let's go. John 21, 21. It says, uh, John 21, yeah, 21, uh, verse 1. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And he manifests him, himself this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee. And the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Check this out. Peter said, I'm going fishing. Isn't that a good way to try to deny the denial? Hey, you know what, guys? Let's just move on. Life goes on. The guy's dead already. We walked with him for three and a half years only. We saw him do miracles. We saw him do wonders. He saved our lives. Let's just go fishing. You ever just gone fishing instead of gone to God? Instead of really saying, hey, let's deal with this, man. How do I get things right? No, no, let's just go to work. This guy just went back to work, pretending like nothing. I'm not saying quit your job. I'm saying, hey. There's a time for you to spend in the presence of God, searching after his heart. But he didn't go back to church. He didn't go back to cell group. He went fishing. Don't go fishing. Whenever you feel like drawing away and just secluding yourself after you fail, after you sin. I want to get so real, but I know there's kids in here. Man, after you've been shackled. After you reacted in a way that you hurt people that you shouldn't have hurt. After you broke your promises, at least do one thing. Learn to fail right. Man, this is a hard title that I was going to name it. I decided not to name it because then it would suck for the people spreading, looking at the podcast thing. But how to fail properly. We don't even know how to fail right. We need to learn how to fail. Because when we fail, matters so much the way we respond. Some people fail and never learn from their failures. They do the same course over and over. Like I, I don't know if you know, like little kids, you know, they cannot go to the next level. And you guys, so I, guess, you know, I guess we all do too. You can't go to the next level unless you learn certain things. Like if a little kid doesn't learn his colors, he might be held back. Like pink, light pink, dark pink. No. How many other colors do you know? <laughs> unless he knows that there's black and blue out there, he's never going to go to the next level. But for us, what we do when we fail, instead of learning, we isolate ourselves. See, the enemy's strategy is still the very same way. As it is with wolves, killer whales, and any other predator out there. What do they do? They divide and conquer. They say, I'm going to get you alone. And when you're alone, then I can attack you. See, because if I can get you to believe that you're the only one that's that rotten, then I can pull you out of the whole batch and say, you are the fault. You are the one at fault. And that's what happens. We begin to believe the words of Satan instead of the words of Jesus Christ. Because that's what he's doing. He says, Peter, just go away. Forget that you're a disciple. And I love this part of the Bible because it's so real. It doesn't just cover it up. It's not like these super disciples that were amazing all the way. And, and then we just suck. And we're not good enough. No, these are real people that are struggling with real struggles, real sin, real failures. So I could, I, I could just, if I could put this in your spirit, if I could download it in your chip. If I could just ask you to remember this. When you fall, when you sin, don't go away. Don't leave. Don't, don't draw away from people that love you. That's the worst thing you can do because it is there that the enemy can do whatever he wants. See, Satan will minimize sin before you do it. Then he will maximize it as soon as you commit it. And so it is that maximization of sin that weighs so heavy on you. And unless that burden is shared... You'll bear the full weight of it. But the moment you begin to share that weight with someone who loves you, someone who cares about you, somebody who knows what God says about you and about that matter, 
And you will carry the entire way. But once you share it, then it's halved. Amen? Once you begin to share with the right... I'm not saying you go on, go on Instagram and be unwise and foolish. And today I am blue. No, today I'm reading the word because I'm not those kind of people. Does that make sense? Why is it? Why, I'm, I'm going to ask you seriously. Why is it that we feel like if we draw away, it's going to be better? It is not going to be better. Punishing yourself doesn't help your father. Let me just repeat this to you. When my son does something bad, I don't want my son to feel bad. I want my son to grow. I'm not out to punish my kid. I'm out to discipline him, which is a very different story. I know some of you didn't have good fathers, didn't have fathers at all perhaps like myself. But I know that a good father doesn't want the pain for his children. The good father wants the pain only if that pain will grow him. It's called controlled growth, controlled pain. I don't want my child to suffer just because he, I'm a sadistic punk. See, if I did that, I would not really love him. But God loves you so much. He does not want to see you in pain. So what do you do? You go and act like you're in more pain or you just draw more pain to yourself. That will not help you and that will not help anyone who loves you. I've heard someone say, I'm just going to end my life. And I heard him say it these last weeks. I'm going to end my life. I want everything to end. I say, that's the most selfish thing I've ever heard. It will not end. It will be eternal now. I'm ten times worse, if not a thousand times worse. It will be burning for all eternity. And your mother will hurt as much as she has ever hurt in her entire life. And that pain may never heal. You still want to do it? I never heard it like that. Well, that's how it is. I'm going to ask you this. How do you end grief? How do you actually come to the end of it? And it is only through learning. It is only through getting the best. The Jews don't waste pain. Please say amen. amen. You do not go away. You get connected. You get in a cell group. If you don't know what a cell group is, welcome to CFF. It is a church of cell groups. Give God a shout of praise. Why not? You know, I've done ministry. I've done cell groups. Eoni and I, you know, Pastor Eoni and I, Eoni and I, we've done ministry for a while now. We're, we, we... Don't look so old. I guess I'm trying to put some flowers on me. But we are, we're 30s. I'm 37 years old. And I've been doing cell groups now nearly 20 years. And in this time of doing cell groups, please listen, at least a decade and a half. I've never seen ever, in, and I need to be very careful with what I say because I want you to understand this. I've never seen Jesus just appear in one of my cell groups. But I've never seen him not show up. Every cell group, Jesus shows up. Okay, I've never seen him just appear like you see it in the Bible. Like he walks in through a wall and you're like, what just happened? But I've seen him show up every time. It is either through a word. It is either through someone's love, someone's care. Maybe it's a miracle that's happening. Or maybe, just maybe, it's a word that ref ref refreshes and strengthens somebody. And that somebody is usually me. Leaders, ever happen to you? You're like tired. You're like, man, today was a rough day at work. But you got to give your cell group. And you're like, man, I don't even know if I should give this message. I don't feel capable of doing it. And you show up and you give the message. And you're like, ooh, something just happened. That didn't just happen. Jesus showed up. Man, there's a need in your life. Come on, give God a shout of praise. There's a need in your life. There's a need in your life. Someone in your cell group hears it. He begins to pray. Through his prayers, God moves the hand of someone else and moves on behalf of that person. And all of a sudden, a miracle happens. It didn't just happen. Jesus showed up. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? How many times has Jesus showed up in your life? I bet you, if you're honest, if you're real, if you're thankful, you'll realize God always shows up. And he's never late. And so, don't get disconnected. Can God use anything? Of course he can. But he loves to use his people. Get connected to people that love God, that love people like yourself, and that still love life. Amen? The bigger the loss, the more you need each other. Look, I have this fish. It's called a beta. It's a, a beta. It's a fish that it's changing colors now. It, it went from red to brown. I think it's dying. Um, you know, it's a fish that sometimes with the water is really dirty because it's not my fish. You know, I keep saying that. My wife keeps saying it is. And I'm like, hey, well, as long as we don't do it with our kids, you know. But anyway, I feed it. Listen, I got it this good, good fish food and it won't eat it. It's used to now like breadcrumbs. Like I feed it from the hot dog bread, like, and, the fish, and like devours it, but it won't eat good stuff. And so I'm training this fish for the hard knock life, you know. Anyway, so if I lose, what's his name, Amor? Yeah, thank you. We don't give him a name. You know what? We haven't given him a name because we're expecting him to die anytime soon. That's jacked up for some of you fish lovers. But I'm telling you, this fish won't make it past 2019. If it isn't because of his nature, it's because of our nature. We're just not pet people. But listen, we take care of people, yeah? All right, cool, cool. Okay, at least, at least, right? But this fish, I'm like, look, if we lose Beta, his name is Beta now. Is that okay? Nah, let's not even give a name because then he has value. Anyway, so, so this thing, <laughs> that's so mean for some of the PETA people, you know. But anyway, this fish, this fish, if I lose the fish, I lose the fish. It's done. It's dead. It's over. Hosey won't cry. Elijah won't even know it's gone. Eoni will be just more counter space. The fish is gone. That's it. But if I lose Josiah, if I lose Elijah, how long will it take me to recover from Beta? And how long will it take me to recover from Elijah? You, I won't even need recovering from the beta. They won't be recovering because it won't be. I mean, of course, now that I'm talking more about him, I'm kind of going fun of I need to stop. This is not good for me. It's, you know, just throw away from anything. Don't get close to things. And anyway, so, so this, this is a concept that you have to get really deep in your spirit. It's a real concept. The deeper the loss, the longer it will take to recover. And the more people you'll need to be by your side. The funny thing about this and the sad thing about it, not funny... That people wait to build their support system once tragedy strikes. You don't have a support system. You don't have people you've been, you haven't been feeding your troops. So when the battle comes, you're by yourself. Man, that just got too real for some of you here. You have not been feeding your troops. So when the battle comes, you're standing alone, getting picked apart by the enemy and blaming the cold world because nobody will come to your aid. I am sorry to tell you, but the truth is today is a day to build your team today's a day to build your people around you that will rally around you not if you go through a tough time when you go through a tough time the bible says if you want friends show yourself a friend i love the truth of the word of god i don't expect people to come to my aid and help me out when i'm down if i have not been there for anyone except for myself i cannot expect somebody be there and be strong with me if i've only been strong for myself and I know this is a hard truth, but I know I've seen it too many times. Families fall apart because the guy that never cared about anybody goes through a tough time. He starts reaching out to everybody and now he blames the world. And the world is not to blame. Today is the truth. Today is the day. You have to start building, sowing, putting into people's lives. 
Man, start being a blessing. Stop being a taker. Start being a giver. Just today you may hear this. Tomorrow you may not. No one will ever tell you this. People will tell you people are awesome and people are amazing. Sure they are. But they also have only one life and they have to choose who to share that life with. I have to prioritize my time. I have 24 hours in my day. I will not waste my life with someone who refuses to invest with me. Let me tell you this. I'm not talking about loving me or caring about me. I'm saying invest, invest, invest. I'm not going to put in a hole that has no end. Why? Because my life is short and so is yours. You have a family. You have people around you. Invest into them. Love those people. Love the people. Not only that love you. Don't, don't get me wrong. But love the people that God leads you to love. Sometimes we're so compassionate. So compassionate towards the foreigner. But so harsh towards the one that is in our house. And what if we start sowing into the people that are near you? Build a support net before you're falling from the skies. Amen. Sometimes it's too late, like I said. That is a story. And I'm not going to tell you the whole thing. There's this javelin. What's it called? The, the, the pigs with the horns? The pig with the horns? What's it called? Horse. A pig with a horse? Horns. What's it called? Not the tusk. But anyway, what's that pig called? A boar. Okay, a boar. Boar. Boars. 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 Sorry, I'm Mexican. Okay, so this boar, you know, it's like <laughs> all the time is like going against the tree, just like sharpening his, his, his tusks, you know. And there's this, this, you know, this bird trying to mock him. Hey, <laughs> it's like, why are you doing that all the time? It's like, just in case when the battle comes, I'm ready. And he's like, ah, what are you doing? That was just in case when the battle comes, I'm ready. And the battle came one day. The predator came for him. But guess what? He was sharp and he was ready to defend. It's too late. Way too late, you guys. Way too late. Sometimes to say help when you have not been there. Please be there. Today is a good day for you to start sowing into people's lives. Not only that, start building relationships that matter. I had a lot of party buddies. I never had friends. Never had real friends. I have so many good friends now. I mean genuine friendships. But before, I'd have fun with people. But you know, having fun together, I don't know if it's true for you, but it's the truth for me. It doesn't grow you as strong as fighting together. You know, when you laugh together, it's not as good as when you bleed together. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes your heart is bleeding for something. Their heart is bleeding for something. You're like, hey, this is worth it. But when you're partying with everybody else, you don't even remember their names later on. I look at the wedding pictures. I love looking at this. Look, challenge yourself to do this. When you go and look at somebody's wedding picture, ask them, is this person still in your life? Don't ask about the mom, of course. But, you know, people that are near them. Oh, no, I don't even remember their names. About 60 to 70% of the people in the picture won't be there. You have to choose who you're going to invest your life into. Amen? Whew, this thing just got too real, too quick. Let's just, tone it, let's just tone it down a little bit. Okay, nah, let's tone it up. All right, uh, the third one, the third one, it says, what else do you do when you fail? Okay, first one that we talked about, what's the first thing to do is that you grieve through it. You understand the pain, pain of it. You have to understand that it hurts. You have to do, the, you cannot deny it, right? The second thing is that you, have, you cannot go away. You cannot just draw yourself away. You have to go to the right place. Go to the leadership that loves you, that cares about you. If they don't care, then come to us. If you don't think we care, then go to another church. And if you don't go to another church, then at least go to Jesus. But at least go somewhere. Amen? All right, cool, cool, cool. Or get to know us. You'll see something really cool, I guess. All right, cool, cool. Next thing. By the way, something I need to explain to someone here. 
that I believe the enemy tries to put an argument in your head is not that we're so loving. It's that God loves us so much. He loved us first that we have no other choice but to love people. It is like that. Nobody gives what they don't have. When you've been loved, you've been cared for, you've been forgiven, how could you not forgive, love, and care? Amen? So if you're having a hard time loving, caring, and forgiving, maybe you're not really forgiven just yet. Maybe you need to really experience God's mercy and love and grace. Amen? So then the next thing is this. Instead of isolating or insulating yourself, you have to draw close to people, draw close to God's people, and draw close to God. The third one is this. Cast yourself in God's mercy. Cast yourself in God's mercy. Did you know that God is not surprised by your failure? You don't do something God's like, oh, snap. Did he really just fail? God didn't get surprised by your sin. He didn't go, oh, really? Why did I die for this fool? I should never die for the fool. I should die for that guy, not this guy. Look at that girl. What? She calls herself a Christian? Jesus will never be impressed by your sin. He already carried it. He already paid for it. He knows the cost of it. He knows the weight of it. He took it on himself. He drank the cup already. You cannot surprise him. So why do you hide from him? I think that comes a lot from our families. It comes a lot from our upbringing. That means you're going to see what happens when you get home. <laughs> or you know what? You're going to see. You'll see. You'll see. Instead of saying, yeah, I'm going to come. And the quicker I come. I learned something when I was a child. And I think I, I learned to apply it later with God. Check this out. When I would do something really bad, one time we blew up a motorcycle or killed a neighbor's turtle. Um, one of those things was really bad. But I remember one time, it was a really bad one. I'm not going to tell you what it was. But it was really jacked up. And so um, <laughs> it was really jacked up. So we came to my mom. And the first thing I told my mom, mom, mama, quieres orar? Mom, do you want to pray? Out of nowhere. I was probably like 10 years old. Mom, do you want to pray? My mom knew exactly what she had to do as a mom of Pablito and Luisito. Dude, she knew she had to handle business. What did you do? Nothing. I just want to pray. I can't pray. I want to pray. We wanted to intercede, you know? We wanted to soften up the king's heart. Do you know what I'm saying? You have to come and pray. And my mom, man, she let us have it. My brother came ready with like five layers of shorts, right? You know what I'm saying? Like he knew better than I. He was older, more experienced, wiser, you know? Uh, but <laughs> it's crazy because... The same thing we ought to do with our dad. Hey, dad, you want to just talk for a little bit? God knows. He already knows what you did. And here's the cool thing. When you throw yourself in his arms, listen to what happens. First Peter, it says, First Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. First Peter 5, 7. Cast, how many? All your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Let me ask you the question. How does Peter know? Because he's been at the mercy of God. Because he was in a position to know that Jesus cared. Only the forgiven. The Bible says he was forgiven most, loves most. And so Peter writes his book and he begins his book by saying these kinds of things. He says, blessed be the God of the Father. At first Peter 1 Peter 1.3, the very first verses. The first two are just saying who he's speaking to. The, set, the third verse, he begins to bless be the God of, of, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Amen. That meant something to Peter. And he said, his great mercy has caused me, I mean us, to be born again to a living hope. 
Peter was dead. Peter was back at his broke business. Peter was done. He was a, a mere average good for nothing man. And yet he comes back alive into a powerful man of God, a living hope for the world. Amen? How in the world, how in the world does a person hear these words, but when you sin, you throw yourself at the mercy of the enemy, not at the mercy of God? Why? What is it that leads you to failure and to pushing yourself further down instead of grabbing onto the hands of your father and say, please help me up? When Peter was drowning, as after he walked a couple steps on the water, which is better than any of you can say, and myself. He was drowning, he was going down. And he alone was able to experience, listen to this, the saving hand of Jesus. <laughs> breaking the water, grabbing him and just lifting him back up. That is powerful. And so he writes these words and now it makes sense when he says, His great mercy has caused us to be born again. As he comes out of the water, I think he's remembering this into a living hope. You see, the biggest failure of our life is not having the faith to obey God. Not, see, we will fail. Time after time again, we will make mistakes. I already know that. I'm not trying to fail and I'm not trying to make mistakes. But when I do, there's grace and there's mercy. Do you know how to reach out to the hand of mercy of God? Throw yourself in his arms. So how do you do it? First, like I said, you need to understand that he's never shocked. But you also need to understand that he cares and he is for you and not against you. I love this part of the Bible and I hope you can highlight it, underline it, um, grab a marker, put on your screen a big, <laughs> just kidding. You know, figure something out to where you can remember this. If you like tattoos, try to get this one on you or on someone else so you can see it better. Luke 22, 31. Amor, what do you think? I'm just kidding. Luke 22, 31, 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. What? That he may sift you as wheat. He's going to shake you up. But I have prayed for you, this is Jesus saying, that your faith should not fail. And Peter's like, thank you, Jesus. Now, Peter didn't know that this was Jesus' prophetic words to his life because he was going to deny him. This happened right before the supper, the last supper. Peter hadn't yet denied him. And he says, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. This is Jesus saying to him, I am praying for you. I am interceding for you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to die and then I'm going to go back up to heaven. And for the remainder of the time, I'm going to be interceding for you with my father. You know how crazy that is that at this very moment, God is talking to the Father good things about you. While the enemy is trying to scream garbage, the, the Lord is like, nah, we love him, right? He's amazing. Look at her. She's beautiful. Man, she looks just like you, Dad. He looks just like you. He's amazing. His likeness, his image. Look at that. Right? He's trying to remember this story that Joel Olsen told. And I absolutely love it because I remember when I played football, I could never do punt returns because they're super difficult. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. But when you're trying to catch the ball, and normally when you're playing a game in football, there's people trying to, like, destroy you. You know, like 11 people on the other side trying to take your head off. And uh, there's this guy, this father kept on just going to see his, his son play football. And his son, honestly, like, in, for lack of a better term, he sucked. Just really bad. He was, like, the worst kid in the team. And um, some of you guys are like, mm, stop. 
Stop, Pastor. No, no. You know, this kid could never play. He never got play time. But the father always went to the games. And the father's like, come on, coach. Put him in. Put him in, coach. And uh, everybody knew, you know, my son, will, he would have he won the game, coach. You know, and he'd always go show up with a banner, with a, the other jersey, you know. Like, the dad was the most supportive dad. And people around was just kind of embarrassed for him. And they're like, eh, you know, they wouldn't even tell him to be quiet anymore. He's like, eh. You know, it sucked. But one time, they were playing against, uh, you know, South El Monte. I'm just kidding. No, no. You know, this team was fine. I'm just kidding. So you guys are from there. Of El Monte or the Lions or whatever or the Knights. Anyway, so. <laughs> boo. Okay. Anyway, so they were playing against this sorry team. And, the, and, the, and they were getting, you know, they were, the other team was getting pummeled by this team. They were, like, beating them by, like, 50 points. And finally, the coach looks at the dad, gets tired of him, and says, okay, where's Pete? Pete, come here. Pete. And little Pete just runs up there like, yes, coach, I'm ready. I'm ready, coach. And so he's like, Pete, get in there. He's like, where, where? He's like, uh, return, punt return. Just, just, you know, go get, the, go get the punt. All right, coach. And he's standing up there, big old helmet. He's like, you know, pat so big for his shoulders, trying to grab. He looks at the punt. It's coming towards him. Bunch of people are coming towards him. He, he, the dad is like, look at my son. And he finally grabs the ball. And he turns left. He turns right. And boom, he gets like destroyed by everybody. Except the cheerleaders. You know, everybody's like on top of this kid. Just, get, just gets messed up. And the guys is like, you know, get it, they're trying to get, help him up. He's probably hurt. And the dad's like, you see my son? Did you see my son? Woo! Did you see my son? People are just looking at, what the heck is he looking at? And the, the, the man next to him gets tired. He's like, hey, wh what are you talking about, man? Your son just got destroyed. What are you talking about? You see his two good moves? Left, right, boom. <laughs> two good moves. And I think that's exactly how God is looking at us right now. The enemy is like, your son? Really? Your son is like, do you see these two good moves? Man, look at those two good moves. What good moves? What are you talking about? His two good moves. He's at church tonight, Friday night. Two good moves. He's like, really? That's not a good, that's a great move. Man, he's not excusing himself. He's beginning to accept it. See that good move? And the enemy is like, nope, I don't see it. But the Lord... Is hearing his son, the father. His son, the father, is hearing Jesus Christ, who has an audience with your judge and your maker. And the one who holds your future, your present, and your past. And guess what? Jesus is the greatest advocate you will ever have. In Spanish, they call him el abogado. He is your best lawyer. I'm just so glad that his dad is the judge. He got the hookups. <laughs> so... Jesus prays for you. He intercedes for you. And let me finish this. He believes in you and he expects us to recover. Jesus expects you to recover. When no one believes, when you don't believe, even if you don't believe in him, he believes in you. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For even though a righteous man falls seven times, yet he will rise again. For even though a righteous man falls seven times, Yet he will rise again. Did you know one of the characteristics of righteous people is that they fall, but they rise again? What makes you unrighteous is not the fall, is the staying down. Now, I don't want to have this sermon give you excuses for you to fall. I know how to get up anyway. Well, I don't know if that's the way it works because you're already fallen in your mind. And if you're fallen, how high can you really get up, right? Like, if you're thinking of falling again, did you really get up? I mean... This girl we took to encounter one time, we went ahead and even dropped her off at her house. She was already planning the party she was going that Sunday night. We wanted to like not stop the car and just push her out of the car, have her like take a couple tumbles. I thought about it. It wouldn't have worked. Do you know what I'm saying? Did you really have an encounter with God? 
I don't believe somebody can just lose their salvation. I believe many people are not really saved in the first place. They've never really experienced the love, the genuine heart of God. And so they don't really value it. They don't care about it. When you have paid something for it, you will value it so much. Jesus paid such a high price. He values you so much. But your Christianity is worth nothing to you unless you're willing to pay something for it. So let me ask you this. What are you willing to do for the Lord? And this is the last most beautiful part I can tell you tonight. He says, after. Check this out. This is wild, man. Listen to what Jesus tells him before he even falls. When you have returned to me. Another version says, when you have repented, strengthen your brethren. Hey, Pete, yeah, you're going to fall. But when you repent, when you come back, you're going to be used so powerfully to strengthen your brethren. Your pain, your failure is what will build the church of God. Your pain, your failure is what will build the future of your children. If you know how to take it to God, how to not isolate yourself, how to not avoid it, but instead go through it, how to deal with it properly, how to get the right help from the right people, and honestly, just God too. If I can say this right now, the Bible is filled with failure, but it's also filled with mercy. The Bible will lead you to a, to a restoration, but you have to go to the Bible. If you could please stand up with me, I want to read something really cool to you that I found. And I didn't find it like, you know, in Google or anything like that. I found it in my own disciples and the people that I had tried to help out. And I realized this, that Judas became a traitor or Peter became a teacher. Judas became a traitor, but Peter became a teacher. Jesus is about to have the end of the biggest revival the world had seen. The world had never seen something like this before. The biggest revival was happening. It's called the Pentecost. You guys ever heard of that? The Pentecost was happening. Man, Jesus had come back. He goes away, leaves the Holy Spirit, and these people are like in revival mode. People are coming left and right. They all show up to see what's happening. And Jesus, listen to this. He looks around at all his disciples. He looks at Thomas, the doubter, but he actually believes now. He looks at John, the one who was actually there the entire time. I said, that guy's stuck by my side. He even took care of my mom. That's a good candidate. I want somebody to give the last speech, the great speech, the keynote speaker. The one that will represent the power of God in the land. I want this person to be so powerful when they speak. Everybody receives Jesus as the Lord and Savior. 5,000 to be precise. There's no microphone, by the way. You're just going to stand there. Some people may not even hear you. Just looking at you should be enough. And so Jesus says, oh, I know who it is. Bring Peter. You will be my keynote speaker. You're going to be the guest of honor. You're going to be the preacher of the day. God, it hasn't even been a couple of weeks, man. I hasn't, it hasn't even been, well, how long has it been? I don't know, maybe a month, month and a half. Yeah, I want you. Hold on a second. I just denied you three times. Yeah, but I want you to preach this sermon. I want you to be the example for people that cannot hear you. The people that can see you and say, was that not the guy that denied Jesus three times? Was that not the guy that was away and would not give a dime for Jesus? And now he's there testifying about him, willing to die, by the way, crucified upside down. For the one who, a few days back, he wasn't even able to confess as a friend. 
Now he confesses him as his life and death and resurrection. Can I tell you this? God loves to use you. He loves to use me. Not because you're perfect, but because you're his. And that's it. And I love this because the enemy will try to tell you, no, you're not. And you will tell him, yes, I am. When he tells you, yeah, but you're a sinner, you're telling him, oh, you're dang right. For where sin abounds, love and mercy overabounds. Someone said that God must have a vacation home in Vegas. <laughs> I just say, man, I would love God so much. How could you not love a God like that? How could you hurt a God like that? The more you see his love, the more you see his mercy, the more you see his grace, the less you want to let him down. The problem with you, the reason you let him down so much, I believe Peter, if he didn't experience that, love and receiving of Jesus back into his arms. Listen, Jesus cooked the meal for him. The Bible says that Peter was far away in a boat. And when he came back, when everybody else was coming back, Peter saw Jesus far away after he came back from the dead and was calling him out. Gave him a new catch. And he said, come on. It says that Peter threw himself on the water and started swimming towards Jesus. I wish I had more time to develop this, but Jesus was waiting for him already with fish and bread. It was already a little barbecue going or breakfast for him. Come on, Peter, have a seat. Let's eat together. He had already a meal prepared for him. I don't know about you, but I don't prepare meals for people I don't want to get close to. I don't cook for people that I don't want near my life. I cook for those. I bring them into my home. Sit them at my table if I want relationship with that person. Peter, do you love me? Yes, God, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Jesus, you know I love you. Well, feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, yes, I love you. Go be a shepherd, man. Now that you've repented, as I had prophesied, go take care and strengthen your brothers. What if I said to you, right now, right here, that your failure is a setup for God's incredible hand of mercy. That through your life, so many lives will be built. Please give God a shout of praise if you believe that. Close your eyes, let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for, yes, not the failure, God, but the learning of it, the growth of it. I thank you because there are some people here that are so important that Satan has moved so much and so many people to try to destroy them. Yet you have found them so incredibly valuable that you sent your son to die on the cross to rescue them. For the hands, the paws of a roaring lion seeking to destroy them. Jesus, thank you because you are the good shepherd. Dear God, I thank you because you have given us the spirit of adoption, not of loneliness or of failure. You've given us the spirit of sonship by the one that we cry, Abba, Father. Of courage, of strength, self-control, God. I thank you, God, because while Judas was breaking down, Peter was breaking through. While Judas was giving up, Peter was looking up. Dear God, while he was being rejected, Judas did not accept the mercy of God, but Peter accepted you completely. While Judas lived in condemnation, 
Peter lived in celebration. Dear God, thank you because we can live lives like Peter, not like Judas. Because while Judas took his own life in despair, Peter ended up living his life on purpose. I thank you, Jesus, for giving us peace, power, purpose. Forgiveness. Thank you, God, because you choose people not based on their abilities, but in your love and your grace. And I thank you for these people that you love so much. I ask you right now, I believe you're putting this in my heart, Lord, so we'll say it. There's somebody here that's been so condemned by dark, hidden sins. You've worked for God and tried to cover it up. And the Lord said, that won't do it. I don't need bulls and rams. I want a broken and a contrite heart. The God of all universe, the creator of the world, who knows you. He knows you before you even have a thought in your head. The word of God says that. Jesus, you know us and you still love us. For even though a righteous man falls seven times, yet he will rise again. Dear God, I pray right now that if somebody here has been struggling with sin or failure or condemnation, that by your blood you remove it. If somebody here, God, in this place, maybe of their past, a long time ago, they feel like some things had not been yet dealt with. Or maybe perhaps they felt like God couldn't possibly take it all. Today, Lord, I pray that you confirm this. That your love is enough. God, that you are good enough. That you love us enough. That you are kind enough, Lord. That even though you examine our hearts and you know everything about me, you still love us, God. I thank you, God. You know, the Word of God says that He knows while you sit down and stand up. He knows exactly what you're thinking even when you're far away. I'm not talking about Santa. I'm talking about Jesus who loves you so much and died on the cross for you. Dear God, I thank you because today is a day of redemption. When somebody falls in this church, God, may they never feel like they're being kicked down. Rather, they feel the strengthening of their brothers and sisters lifting them up. God, that they do not take that lightly. That rather, they would know how it feels that they can do it to other people as well. Lift each other up. I pray right now, God, for the person that came to a ministry like this and thought that it was about them. I pray that they begin to invest into your love, your family, God, into your kingdom. That they could receive the fruit of their own seeds. Jesus, I love you so much because you forgave us. You forgave me. In your name we pray tonight. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God. Through him, he lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Dear God, thank you so much. Before we close, guys, with your eyes closed, just one more second. I pray, God, that you break down the self-centeredness of any believer in this house. That we realize, God, that anything we might have gone through is not just for our own growth. But that you said, God, that once we have repented, that we turn it into a blessing for someone else. God's putting in my heart to tell you, if you come from a broken home, help someone. Help someone to not experience what you went through. If you've experienced loneliness and sadness, pour out the love of God. You have the antidote in your spirit. You've overcome. God has given you that grace. Maybe someone here knows what it means to be broken and dead and be changed and shackled by debt. God will pull you through that you will help other people come out the same. Maybe you're here and you felt rejected. 
will tell you what, you're the greatest acceptor. You're the one who will welcome people. You'll be the greatest consolidator. Or perhaps you were hard to win. Man, nobody could talk to you about God. That will make you the greatest soul winner. Dear God, I pray right now that if somebody here has lacked character, that they become people that can form and be used to transform people's lives. God, that if someone here has struggled to see themselves grow and see the multitudes, that they know, they know, God, that they will be used mightily and powerfully. Not because of how good they are, because how good you are, Lord. That the giants we have conquered, God, will help us to make giant killers around us, God. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. Give God a round of applause. Loud, loud, loud if it's for Jesus. Amen, amen. We love you guys very much. We will see you guys during the week. Make sure you stay connected. Peace out.